Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thanks for listening to Danny and Dusty On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Is your heater safe? Why replace it when Service Patriots can restore it? Get their $59, 27-point furnace tune-up and safety check, including a free 1-inch filter. They'll also check your AC for free. Go to servicepatriots.com. Whether you're a duck or whether you're a beaver, your fantasy team needs a new receiver. It's Danny and Dusty at lunchtime every day. Maybe you're a tortured fan of Rip City. Danny and Dusty are here to take pity, hoping there's not a center with bad knees on the way. Talking noon till three, Danny and Dusty on the fan. Yep, I'm singing again, cause they haven't said I can't. Danny and Dusty love the teams the rest of us revile. Raising a Blazers banner would make it all worthwhile. Noon till three. An Odyssey station. Hour number two, Danny and Dusty here on this Wednesday. We are joined in studio by Beaverton's own Ben Golliver. Um, we were talking about, before you came out at the beginning of the show, uh, you are the most well-adjusted of, of the four people that currently have microphones in front of their faces mm. right now. Uh, so congratulations on that. Yeah. I don't know if that that's That sounds a, like faint praise. I don't think that's a high bar to <laughs> to go, but... Uh, it's a golf club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the, of the guys that are, that are local and the three Beaverton High yeah. alums that we have here, the most well-adjusted. Yeah. So okay. he, he joins us in... St- he's you, like, you're, also, you're, you're the only one with the uh, the blue text on the Wikipedia page for Beaverton High School alumni. Okay, I'll take yeah. that too. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. We're talking Blazers with Ben because it's a big day in Rip City as Damian Lillard returns for the first time in another uniform uh what about this start in milwaukee as we we've talked about dame and kind of the steps of his progress we've talked about the blazers but milwaukee firing adrian griffin midway through the season what a journey that 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 has been here with dame was like he had stots it was his guy he goes to milwaukee stots is there for a week (laughs) and now he's just like like, screw it i'm out (laughs) (laughs) he has all the stability in the roster around him but 
no coach now. The coach instability. What have you made of this first half plus of the of the Bucks season? So I got to see the Bucks at the in season tournament semifinal game they played against Indiana, and I my jaw was kind of basically on the floor. You guys coach youth sports? Do either one of you? Yeah, 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 I do. So you, you can relate to this. So during that game, they're going against the Pacers. Pacers amazing offense, right? So uh, Adrian Griffin decides he wants to put out a two three zone. I've never seen this before in my life from a professional NBA coach. He holds up two fingers on one hand and three fingers on the other. That's how no. he signals for his 2-3 zone. He's like he's coaching third graders. I'm th- looking around <laughs> saying, what is this guy doing? Is this really happening in front of my eyes? And he keeps doing it over and over and over again. It's like, man, at least come up with some sort of a nickname for it or like a hand signal. Um, wow. So that's what we were working with in Milwaukee. I think that when you start to hear the conversations about the players and, and Adrian Griffin and maybe he lost the locker room, I think some of it came down to just, you know, base level strategy stuff, especially on defense where they're going from Mike Budenholzer, who is like the most rigid formulaic. Here's exactly how we're going to play. Here's the shots that we allow. Here's we're playing the shots drop that we no don't. matter what. No, no matter what. And you, you can, you know, you can't shoot corner threes against them, but you could take as many above the break mm-hmm. threes as you want all day long. Those are the shots that they give up. And, you know, Griffin comes in with this different defensive philosophy where he wants everybody running all over the court. The old guys are like, we're not going to run. Why are we doing that? <laughs> and then he's holding up two and three fingers and like, oh, yeah, we're going to a two, three. So it's like, come on, man. Like, what's the base level of, of you know, that we're looking for? So um, that was, uh, you know, an interesting first impression for me with them. And then that very night. You know, there's reports, oh, locker room's pissed off, Bobby Portis is going at coach, and it's like, well, yeah, I probably would have too after that performance because they got killed by Indiana, and they looked like they were in a pretty tough spot. So um, wasn't totally surprised that he got fired, but usually coaches are better at um, self-preservation than he was. Like, usually they make the adjustments that are going to keep the players happy enough to keep the heat off, especially when they're winning. And the fact that he couldn't do that just tells you it was a bad hire uh, hire from the start. You know, now with Doc... Lots of questions there, too. <laughs> it was interesting to see how hard they played against the Nuggets the other night. I don't know if you guys saw that yeah. game. They came out, and they were up early playing super hard. But the most fascinating part about Milwaukee for me is how that game closed because Denver destroyed them on both sides of the basketball. I mean, they're getting wide-open dunks. Jamal Murray's taking Damian Lillard, walking him straight into the paint and, and taking a jumper over the top of him on a very key possession. On the other end, Denver's getting big stops, and Milwaukee's clutch offense, thanks to Dame, has been much better this year. But when they really needed to execute in the crucial minutes of that game, they weren't doing it. So they still have to figure some things out uh, if they want to get back onto this championship level. But um, you know, I think that's why the pressure is now on Doc to do that, to kind of make those types of adjustments. Sometimes in the past, he's been okay at that. Sometimes that's been a shortcoming for him. So that's an open question. And I think also for Damian to go from being the man in Portland, where he basically gets the blame the least of anybody in the organization, to going to Milwaukee, where all the blame was on Adrian Griffin. Well, we don't have Adrian Griffin to blame anymore. He's yeah. out. Like, Doc, you know, he can take some of it, but there's going to be more scrutiny on Lillard, the player, I think, for these next three to four months than there's ever been before in his career. He's going to have to step up and play, you know, better, more physical defense in big moments and then he's going to have to get back to shooting the ball like we all know he can't right it's just been a little bit of a down year for him he's picked it up a little bit recently but they need the I can go for 40 any night Lillard uh, to come in more often I think when you look at where this organization the Trailblazers have been uh, in relationship to their their stars Every single one of them has ended unceremoniously and in a, in a manner that I don't think anybody in the organization would want, whether it's Bill Walton and a complete dissociation from the franchise for literal decades. 
and then Clyde and his trade demand and Brandon, even in that short time period, how great he was, there was real animosity between him and Paul Allen because of the handshake agreement that was violated when he medically unretired and went to the Timberwolves. And then LaMarcus leaves and then Dame's trade request. Even through all of those, do you think there's a there's a difference between how each of those went and how they ultimately were resolved and how Damian Lillard is going to be looked at tonight, even though it's clearly the freshest? Well, I think one common theme from some of those names that you mentioned is that injuries change the story for a lot of those guys. And we're seeing it right now with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. When you deal with recurring injuries or players who can't stay healthy or can't play 100% to their peak, there is always going to be disappointment. Disappointment breeds hard feelings, and it goes both ways, whether it's on the player side or the organization side. So I don't know if you can ever, even if you handled the situation perfectly, ever get out of the Brandon Roy era with everybody feeling good Mm -hmm. or ever get out of that Bill Walton era with everybody feeling good. I think it's just kind of impossible what I think this Lillard situation might be different from some of the other ones is this feels pretty amicable by NBA mm-hmm. divorce standards, right? There's nobody shooting, uh, you know, bullets into his jersey like we saw with Kevin Durant, <laughs> right? There's nobody like burning stuff outside, you know, in Cleveland, you know, mm-hmm. calling LeBron a traitor. We know there's none of that. There's right? no Comic Sans. Yeah, this feels very amicable on both sides. Lillard said yesterday he's come back with love. I think I heard that quote, mm-hmm. right? The Blazers fans, I think I'm in, uh, preparing for people to be crying tonight, yeah. right? I mean, it's yeah. definitely possible. So that even feels different from Drexler's return or from some of these other players' return. And I think it speaks to, you know, this is a, I think it really speaks to fans more than anything else because part of the reason why there's been harsh feelings throughout all these decades is because the fans embrace these guys and bring them in in the ways that not every fan base does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a player. This is a family member. It's kind of how people look at it. And when families have hard times, it gets personal and, and people take it the wrong way. But, you know, to me, like, it did get a little bit ugly last summer. You know, like, Dame doesn't put Joe Cronin in his goodbye letter. You know, Joe Cronin supposedly, oh, he's not contacting you. These guys aren't talking to each other at the uh, practice facility and all of that. Who knows whether that particular relationship's ever going to get back to where it was prior to all of this. But doesn't that feel like water under the bridge? Like, aren't people mm-hmm. over that? Aren't you just ready to go, you know, celebrate this guy tonight and cheer for him? And when he gets to, you know, the the letter O or whatever, you know, people are going to go nuts. And that doesn't always happen. You know, we've seen big stars not get as warm of a reception as Lillard's going to get tonight. I think there is like this element, though, like Joe Cronin may not have been in the in the farewell letter, but. I think Dame's maturity is a big part of it in his relationship with the city. Separate from the organization Mm -hmm. is a big part of of this amicable split. But I think Cronin in the organization kind of doing right by him was a a big part, too. Yeah, he didn't get to Miami, but they put him in the best situation possible. I mean, what did you— It's it's funny when the the team trading you knows your best interest better than you do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, we could all hope to be in that situation. But the other thing they did is I thought they took the high road. You know, like, it did get a little bit ugly. There was opportunities for Joe to, you know, air stuff out if he really wanted to. I don't know how, you know, crazy it would have been, but— um, you know, being with the Blazers down at training camp in Santa Barbara for a day. And it's like, you know, asking those kinds of questions, like, you know, how do you guys feel about moving on? Is there any, you know, regrets? Would you have done anything differently? And they're just like, we're focused on these young guys. We're going forward. We have a new era. We're thankful today. And we're going to treat him right when he comes back to Portland. He's going to get his jersey up in the uh, Raptors. There was talk about a statue. There's going to be a statue. I would bet almost anything on that, right? Oh, no, that's, that they're, yeah. they're doing one for Sean's and they're, they're going to do one for Dame. Yeah, so there you go. What more can you do? Right. It's like, okay, sure. Maybe it gets a little bit tough when you're juggling phone calls from Miami and Milwaukee and whoever else you're talking to. That's just part of the business. 
it's more about how you mend those fences. And I don't think that the Blazers, you can criticize the Blazers for a lot this year in terms yeah. of roster building, construction, are these players underperforming? Was eight in the right bet? I mean, you could dig these guys on a lot of different topics, but I don't think you could say they have handled the the aftermath of that trade any better. Our former uh, president of basketball ops trained us to know roster construction is not the issue here. Then, right. Okay. That's right. <laughs> it's the best and deepest roster you've ever had every year, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. When you look at the the Damian Lillard era, what is you know with Walton, it's the title. With Clyde, it's just how close they got. Yeah. With you know Brandon Lamarcus Craig, it's what could have been. What's the singular thread that you kind of pull from Dame? Because I don't. I think it's for me at least a little bit of kind of all of those things. Yeah. But where do you kind of end up with it? With what what was the decade of Lillard? So for me, I'm a big Michigan football fan, and so I'm just coming off of this Rose Bowl, Congrats, which is like man. the single greatest day of my life. You know, like I mean, unbelievable. You know how people say like, "Oh, the birth of my kids," or like my marriage day was no, forget that. Sorry to any of my family members that I offend. The Rose Bowl was the best day of my life. So my point is, you know, that last play where Alabama Milrow is running into the line, Michigan gets the stand. It's fourth and three. They win the Rose Bowl. They knock down. They send Saban into retirement. All of that. That is just like one of those moments. Honestly, I'll remember that more than when they go the next week to Houston and win the national championship because mm-hmm. that moment was so special. I And, you know, obviously it was great that they won it. Winning the championship helped validate that moment. But you get my point. Sometimes those special moments stick with you. And I think anybody who was at the Rockets buzzer beater or yeah. at the Thunder buzzer beater – that moment might not be a championship, but tell me that, you know, there's been champions who won the title and never had a moment as yeah. cool as that along the way, right? And especially the the OKC one with just the perfect wave, the amazing pictures, the memes that have lasted for years. I go back and watch that Rose Bowl overtime like once I'm honestly every day pretty much <laughs> like it's it's pretty pathetic you said I was well adjusted earlier I don't know where, I don't know where that came from no but you the, the bar many... is that low right I mean you just you just cleared it like yeah. that is the most well-adjusted thing that we've heard all day right and so for you guys though you could probably go back and watch that dame shot either one of those dame yeah. shots you know how many times do you think you've watched a thousand you know two thousand I mean you you really add it up it's a lot and so I guess my point is not every team has an equal opportunity in the NBA to win a championship, to hoist the trophy, but that shot against OKC was almost more rare than a title in some ways. And so I, that's really what sticks with mm-hmm. me is like he gave people a moment. That moment will live and live and live and live and live for decades. Anybody who watched it, even on TV, but also in person, will remember exactly where they were, what the weather was like that day, what they had for lunch. like. And that's how I feel about that Rose Bowl, too. And that's the takeaway. That's why we follow sports. That's why people care. You know, that's why people live through rebuilds. It's because you're waiting for that payoff. And that was just about the sweetest payoff ever for a Blazers fan. Other than that 77 championship parade, which I still hear from the old guys mm-hmm. about. I mean, that, you know, it's arguably number two on the list, right? Red beans and rice and sending that mother bleeper home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what he told Chris Haynes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was a nice little build up to yeah, that one. Man. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, we appreciate you sticking around with us for so long. Welcome back. Welcome home. You know, we it's not too much rain that we have going on. No, it's perfect. Though. That's another thing with the Rose Bowl. It's like beautiful blue skies. Mm. The sky's parted for that game. Tonight for Lillard's return had to be gloomy, a little bit yeah. of rain, you know, making sure you don't screw your shoes up on the way to the arena. Like, that <laughs> is the right feel for yeah. this night tonight, isn't it? Per- it, it? Perfectly really dodging is. puddles. Wait, does this mean you're – are you a Chargers fan now? 
Um, no, I don't. Th- I don't think there are Chargers fans. <laughs> so maybe there will be now. I've never met one in the wild. Have you? Uh, <sighs> not a real one. Yeah, yeah like, not, well, not since the move. I mean, because no. they obviously there, had a fan base. Yeah, but. yeah. there's a lot of like uh, just Oregon fans that have with Justin Herbert. Yeah, attached. So you're 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 just kind of kind of watch him in Harbaugh at a distance. Well, yeah, I don't I don't count that as a Chargers fan. That's a Herbert. Fan, you know? and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a Harbaugh right. fan, obviously indebted to him. We're talking about statues. Let's get him a statue mm. in Ann Arbor. But no, I I don't think I'm going to be hopping on the Chargers bandwagon. Although. Plenty of good seats still available, I think. <laughs> no, it's tricky, though, in L.A., man. you got so many teams. you got Shohei Otani. Obviously, you got LeBron. You know, even the Clippers, I think, are probably at this point above the Chargers on the pecking order. So that's why you go out there and make a splash hire like Harbaugh because you're trying to uh, wow. get relevant in a way you just haven't been. What is what is the feeling about the Clippers in their new arena? That That's Inglewood. It's going to be massive. It's going to be beautiful. Side of the old forum. Yeah. Yeah, I toured it. I mean, it's it's coming along it's incredible how fast they built it like if you have an unlimited budget you can do so many cool crazy and like bomber's like yeah this sounds great let's just let's put this into practice um the technology is going to be crazy you're going to walk into like the little store to get your food grab and go you're not going to have to pay you're just going to walk out and it's going to somehow know who you are i think with uh you know your credit card whatever you don't have to swipe it it's just going to automatically charge you you get back to your seat um he's obsessed with the number of toilets he's got in the arena so there's not going to be any lines for bathrooms whatsoever you're going to be in and out charging stations at every seat you know so and apparently they're going to be tracking people if you agree to sign up they could track how loud you're cheering and for how long you're cheering and if you meet his standard, they're going to give you discounts at the team shop so you can go buy a jersey or go buy a T-shirt. Like, this guy's trying to do whatever he can to really create a home court advantage for the Clippers because they've never had it. I mean, you go to Clippers games, sometimes, you know, Clippers and Blazers, there'd be more people cheering for the Blazers, right? Uh, especially in Dame's heyday, than there are for the Clippers. So that really bothers him. He's trying to completely change the narrative around the team. It's a big bet, man. It's a $2 billion-plus bet that he's going to be able to kind of craft this fan base in the image that he wants and we'll see if he can do it but i think like to the point of like no chargers fans being down there like just sharing staples that's where the lakers play it's not it's where the lakers play and then on off nights the clippers are there too it'd be like you know a g league team sharing an arena totally and And they play at 12 30 all the time like on weekends so like james harden's first home game for the clippers like they're so excited we got james harden you know all these socal players on the same team and his first game was 12 30 against the memphis grizzlies (laughs) with no jaw so you get there, it's half full, and, like, nobody's excited. And, like, if I'm hard, I'm looking around like, what's going on? And they've played so well, actually, over these last two months that they've started to build up yeah. some momentum and the fans are back in the building. But having their own place is going to be huge for them. What team are you buying in the NBA that that maybe is on the periphery right now? Because, I mean, I think the Clippers are, are one of those teams that they're built to be a yeah. – they're going to be really If they're healthy, good. they're there. They yeah. they absolutely yeah. are. What teams are are you buying right now? Well, if I'm looking at it like a stock market, I'm buying OKC because yep. I think they're blue chip. I love their all of their main players, Shea, uh, Jalen Williams, but especially Chet. Mm-hmm. I think those guys are incredible. Here's a take for you: 2029, I think Chet has a chance to be the best American player. Period. Full stop. Ooh. And you look at the young getting in guys front of right the Cooper now. flag, uh, yeah, well, Ron, huh? I'm counting on Cooper not quite being at his peak at okay. that point. But I also <laughs> think that people just massively sleep on how good Chet is and yes. how much he's improved yeah. already. Yes. I in, saw in, a, in an off year. Yeah, well, he had a whole year off with the foot injury. When's the last time you saw somebody come back this well from a foot injury? What can you do on a foot injury? Yeah. You know. So he clearly worked on his shot, but uh, just his shot blocking ability, timing's incredible. He's perfect fit for the modern NBA so competitive and so i think that you know if you're looking at this as like a five-year question 
which team has the best chance to compete for titles consistently. I feel like OKC is almost where the Celtics were like three, four years ago, where like you just know they're going to be a problem every single year. Incredible culture. They've got all these draft picks to keep stock in the, uh, the, the rotation. And they've got guys who buy into their local culture who don't want to leave. You know, Shea had an opportunity to be, you know, messy about it and try to ask out and all that. And he doubled down and tripled down on the Thunder. So that is the team that I've been uh, most excited about this year. And, you know, we'll see how far they can go. You know, Western Conference Finals doesn't seem unrealistic. Uh, I don't know if they can make the finals, but uh, coming into the season, I never would have even thought they could win a series, you know? You, you brought up Shet, so I've got to ask you. Which which side of the fence are you on, Chad or Wemby this year? Oh, Wemby. Oh, okay. for rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Oh, for long term, I'm on Wemby's side. Yeah. I think for right now, my midseason award vote went to Chet because okay. he had played about 25 percent more minutes, and all of his minutes are like impacting playoff standings, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Wemby, I mean, at a, at a point like not that long ago, they had the worst point differential as a team of any team since the Bobcats team that tanked for Anthony yes. Davis. That's oh. a long run of bad teams, right? <laughs> and so the Spurs were just getting destroyed yeah. night after night. Now, they've pulled themselves together a little bit, um, but Wemby's been on this minutes limit. What's interesting is the, the head-to-head matchup recently between Shed and Wemby, mm-hmm. Wemby took it super personally. Like, he's talking trash down 30, you know, mm-hmm. because he's trying to let Shed know, I'm winning this matchup even if your team's winning yeah. the game. And I think he understands to be able to win Rookie of the Year, he's got to have better numbers, and he's really got to make a strong yeah. push to close. And I think there's a really good chance he does it. But as of today, I would vote for Chet. Dude, we appreciate the time. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Great to see you guys. Uh, congratulations on the show and everything. I'm, I've heard hey, it's thanks, been man. successful. Numbers are looking pretty good, right? Yeah. 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 Things are going well, man. There we appreciate go. it, and we appreciate you coming in. Ben Golliver, uh, Beaverton Zone, Washington Post. Uh, go check out uh, the, the book, if you haven't yet, Bubble Ball, uh, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. It, it's an incredible read, and it kind of takes you down memory lane because there's some good Blazers quips in there, too, with Lillard <laughs> and uh, in, in Portland. Oh, that's so. another great memory. The shot. Remember the shot that bounced yeah. up, hung in the air for like 10 seconds and fell through in the bubble? Oh, man. What a good one. <laughs> ben, thanks, man. And enjoy tonight at Moda Center. It's going to be a special night. I can't wait. Wouldn't miss it. All right. Uh, this is Danny Dusty, 1080 The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dusty Everybody on the fan. Yes, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. God, so great. Much like jingles, there is a there's a particular just je ne sais quoi yeah. that has been lost so in the art of the the entrance song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you it, like you heard him. 
it, he was part of it. You're part of the song. Like it, it, it becomes who you are. I love it so much. Uh, that was awesome with Ben Golliver, Washington Post. Um, a lot of really, I mean, great insight as to to Dame, the Blazers, the NBA as a whole. Uh, it's going to be a special night when like Ben is coming back up to Portland. It's not to see family. <laughs> it is because like that's the magnitude of the night. Like yeah. this is a this is a big night across the NBA. The NBA Dame's returning. The eyes will be on Portland tonight. Yeah. Whether or not the basketball being played is good. It, the eyes will be on Portland well, tonight, and I, 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 do, I don't think it's good for Portland when you when he said in that first game with Doc coaching in Denver, where it was they played they, hard, they played really hard out the gate. This Portland team, the worst thing that happens is when they get blitzed early, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh oh. I I think Portland knows. The, I think the Blazers players know what's coming their way, and I hope that they're ready. A win. Competitive. Oh. Just, just uh, let's 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 have a clutch opportunity. Let's have a clutch opportunity, a game in the balance in the okay. final two minutes, and then I let the, and then let the basketball gods decide where this goes. It, it just no, <laughs> actually, I don't want that because if Damian Lillard pulls up from the logo, I was just gonna he, say, and he drains it, and I go, I just, okay, what point? Okay, that's the question. At what point in the game does Dame pull from longer than twenty five? I hope right after Giannis oh. wins the tip. Just <laughs> he's done it before, where he's yes. just where he is literally. They have started a game. What God? What, it was last year. They I, started a game. He walked across half court, and the defense was a foot above the three point line. He took one step over and pulled. Yeah, and then it, like I know that it's a it's a wish, and it's not going to happen, but. Because of their relationship and the mentorship that he gave to Anthony Simons, I hope Anthony Simons is the one that's guarding him, and they just kind of do that wry smile back smile. and forth to each other. Yeah, little, little wink in the like, nod. Yeah, yeah. I still got it, young buck. It's gonna be, it's gonna be an emotional one. You're already crying. I, <laughs> I, I, I have, I have known that this is going to build into this crescendo, and if it's like this for me, I can only imagine what it is for him it's gonna hit him like a tidal wave yeah it's just it's just gonna come crashing down over him we had this text that came in that says i was jumping around uh, hugging random people when dame hit the okc shot i i think we all have kind of have those moments and i'll never forget like there you don't forget where you are when those moments happen I'll, i'll never forget the houston shot um it was i was with a bunch of my college teammates we have an alumni football golf tournament the first weekend of may every year and we were all in my buddy's basement and there was like 30 of us and when he hit that shot it it, we just dogpiled like that was just what that just dudes being dudes and it turned into an absolute just den of chaos and that night we were all on cloud nine like it was i remember the building shaking yeah i remember the building shaking it felt like an earthquake. It's crazy. The the roar. There there I have been in that building for basically every big moment but the OKC game winner because I was at NBC calling the game mm-hmm. there. Um and the only thing I can remember being as loud or near as loud was Brian Grant coming back out on the floor in the playoffs against yeah. the Utah Jazz after getting his eyebrow busted open. And it was, the roar was so loud in that building, in that series, and in that moment, 
that when he went up and grabbed that rebound, he swung his elbows at Carl Malone. I had to scream to my father next to me. Yeah. To say anything. That was also uh Roy when Roy against the Mavericks, yes. that was when he hit that three in the corner. That place it literally went, good God, that gives me it went absolutely but those like there's <laughs> yeah. you can only think of a handful there, there's of moments. Like three there. moments that yeah. come close to the I mean, again, the, the Dame game winner, series winner, like everything yeah. like the fact that it was a series winner. Yeah. That's the thing that just that that first series win in what was it uh eight years eleven eleven years something along, along those lines Scott I can't remember now I still remember unless you've been somewhere that it's so loud that the screams like shake your body yeah you just don't really understand how loud <sighs> that can be that's that's what is so special about sports is in the moments and Ben talking about you know winning that Rose Bowl and kind of you know that that seminal moment you. You the familiarity, the the sincerity of the moment being driven so deep into your core that years later, you know you you get something that's familiar and yeah. you're immediately transported back to that. That's the specialness of it all, and that's the specialness of Damian Lillard. Ah. So, well, he's coming back tonight, and it's going to be a, it'll be it'll be one of those games where I don't know how many times this year. The pregame show, the game and postgame show, everything are is going to be is it's must in. TV, musty yeah. TV. Tonight we have that night, yeah. and I would imagine that the Blazers on the, on the broadcast are going to show the tribute video. They so should. I, I would imagine that's going to be a part of this. They should, so everybody gets a chance to see it. And so. then we can go back to uh, business as usual. Yeah, and that's you and that, that is part of this is 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 like it, as much as this is a big deal, it's also about getting through it as the Blazers yeah. because they've got you know business to take care of coming up too. So, buddy, this was a date that's been circled for a long yeah time. It, ever since that trade was made. So yep. uh, we're gonna pivot away from basketball for a little bit. We have our worst day on the web coming up here, but first here's Jeff Kahuna of Jeff Russ, the big Kahuna, Jeff Kahuna. There you go with a Sports Center update. Hamburgers, the cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. It's time for today's worst day on the web with Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. Oh, really? That sucks. Are you a... Uh, whose wrestling theme is this? Uh, what was it? Was it Doink the Clown? <laughs> <laughs> Doink! I missed! That was a deep pull. Congratulations. I'm proud of myself. That, on was, that, one. that was really good because I took a Barry Horowitz. Yeah. You started to go down a road, Dude. and I'm like, I don't know where he's And then you landed that thing. That Boom. was good. Doink the clown. Not too bad. Let Rust cook. <laughs> Not too bad. Uh, I, I, I know we all will, will occasionally tune ourselves into some, into some jeopardy every now and then. You see it on. Mm. You see the categories. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do well here. Yeah. How often do you. Uh, you turn into the old Wheel of Fortune these days. Uh, Wheel of Fortune is on my back burner. It's on my back burner. Uh, I'm not a huge Wheel of Fortune guy, but I do enjoy the clips. I, I'm, I'll tune in more Jeopardy than I will Wheel of Fortune. Like that. That's it's my wheelhouse. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Well, you claim that you can, you could win on Jeopardy, depending on the category days. Yeah. I'm a trivia guy. Okay. 
I am. We're going to have to do, uh, uh, hmm, let's see here. Stump Danny. Mm. Um, dump Danny. Uh, mm. Hmm. I'm trying to think of words. Stump make, the jump. The alliteration. Make Danny feel like a dum-dum. Yeah. Shh. Sure. <laughs> We're going to have to put a trivia game together then. <laughs> stump, in Jeopardy stump style. The jump works yeah, well. that would be good. That would be good. I would like that. I think that'd be a fun bit. Just, we could do that. Just drop it on me randomly. Yeah, yeah. Just out of nowhere. I'll just compile a list of questions that I. I will solicit from the the folks. There we go. Yeah, like I'm. It. We're in on like this. It. Let's do There's this. There's certain things I will hit absolute home runs on categories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, world history, geography. It's it, the ones that get me, like the poet laureates, like those kind of things. I'm yeah. like, I know. I don't f- read no good. Well, I, I know a fair amount of them, but I I can't tie them together. Mm. And so I'm like, I think it's that one. So those ones will get me. But ooh, mystify uh, meringue. Ooh. What if we do that? Oh, that's not that's not bad. I just looked up synonyms for I, stump. I like it. <laughs> Mystify meringue. I, I like, like that. that. That's got a little little intrigue to yeah, it. Yeah, there we go. You know, okay. it's got some intrigue to it. Huh. Um, apparently, there's like actual judges. Yes. On uh, Wheel of Fortune, when you when you go to precisely say what's on the board, and uh, well, they can come back and bite you in the butt if they don't think you got it right. Living thing is the category. You have 10 seconds to try to tell us what's up there. Good luck. Something orchid. Pony orchid. You might have been overthinking, thinking of a type of orchid. Pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry that didn't work out for you, and I have to look in here, but I can't open it, so. Oh, there I know, that would have been awfully nice. Wait, she that was the first thing that she said was pink orchid. I think she might have dropped the K in pink. Pin pink orchid? Ping orchid? Is that what she the thing she said? Okay. Can can, can we get it one more time? Can we Living get it thing time? is the category. You have Listen, ten seconds. Listen to her first to try one. Try to tell us what's up there. Good luck. Something orchid. Pie I think she said ping. It almost sounded like ping. Ping? Ping yeah. orchid. It's, I mean. But maybe ping. It was close. So I actually, I know a guy, one of the guys I went to high school with. Um, hey, maybe he should be on the most famous Glencoe alums. Uh, Paul Atkinson, he was on Wheel of Fortune, and he had one of these same things happen. It was corner curio cabinet, right? But he, and he solved the puzzle, he mispronounced curio and they said no he got oh. it right like he solved the puzzle he just mispronounced curio. uh i think it's corner curio cabinet and i think he said curio 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 instead of mm-hmm. curio. curio and they were like nope wrong they are sticklers at wheel of fortune wow and the, but that was really close like, how are you listening that closely? to Because that sounded like Pink Orchid to me. Before it's something Orchid. Yeah. yeah. The thing that makes this brutal is, you know, in Wheel of Fortune, you, you pick the card in the, the final round, and then you find out what you did win or didn't win, and it was $40,000. Yeah. I think when you have that, that when you have that amount of money. Because she was at 14000 which, yeah. oh, spinning the wheel... 
Fourteen thousand is is that's, yeah. those are some good spins. Yeah, that's great spins. Uh, you, you didn't hit the bankrupt before then. Yeah, like you're doing pretty good. Yeah, you, you leave them with fourteen k. Now you would have left with fifty five. Well, I mean, after California taxes and everything else, you probably left with fourteen k. If you would won the forty, probably. But hey, that's but it's fourteen thousand more than you have. Yeah. Before. There you go. Uh, what I, we're learning here is uh, wheel of wheel of fortune doesn't mess around. No, you have to have your pronunciations correct. Uh, and you have to really enunciate if you're in between ping and pink orchid. I don't, I think we, I would have given it to her, but that, that's why I'm not a Wheel of Fortune judge, apparently. Ooh. How do you go about becoming a Wheel of Fortune judge? Yeah, I don't know. I think you, uh, the game show world is interesting. Mm. The game, because I think you just like get in as a grunt. Mm hmm. And then you're working your way up to be the the game show judge. That's a pretty distinguished job, right? That I wonder how much that pays. I bet you it doesn't pay. It's anything. like a producer. You're no, a producer. No, no, but... you, no. You don't get paid anything, but you get the prestige of being the judge. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, so you have to like, like work like, three jobs. It's, but... like, it's like the Illuminati, but like yeah. you're the final say on whether or not. Yeah, I'm a barista at Starbucks during the day, but at night. Oh no, no. Like, I'm a Wheel of Fortune. I bet you. I bet you the Wheel judge. of Fortune judge is like. You know, a uh, professor emeritus at Harvard has like some endowment of like two million dollars a year. Oh, like okay, this is like they yeah. are very successful in life, and they they go to their their parties, and this is the thing they get to lord over yeah. them. It's like <laughs> I am, See, I am the judge. This is why I like uh, Price is Right mm -hmm. more than da -da -da, you know what I think da -da -da. they should do Spin with Price is Right. What's that? They should have Billionaire Day. On prices, right? Mm. Because it's all because prices. they have no idea what. Well, it's all costs. prices on everyday items, mm. and so you have a billionaire who has no idea what anything. How costs. much is going a banana cost? Fifty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, give me Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Yeah, have them, Mark Cuban, have them all up there and make them play the prices mm. right, and just see how spectacularly they will fail. And then mm. you just have average Joes in the crowd. Heckling. Heckling them. You know? It would be fantastic. It would make for great theater. What was the last time any of those guys you think ever used cash? I don't know. Jerry Jones is on my TV right now. Put Jerry Jones on the, on the prices, right? I'm going to watch that. I, I will watch that 10 times out of 10. What's older, a kindergartner or his hairpiece? Uh, that's an old hairpiece. <laughs> I'm gonna go the hair piece. Okay. Yeah, it's not it's not a good one because it's still thinning <laughs> it, around. It's it. it's bad. It's yeah. bad. I just I, I I had to call that. Ooh, hey, we got two different. Uh, we we have two different recommendations. Prove Danny Morong. Ooh. And prove me Morong. I think those uh, are those, both those good. are both pretty yeah. good. Prove me Morong. Yeah. Prove Danny Morong. Yeah. I think I think that's that's where we might. Mystify meringue, prove Danny Morong. I, like I, I think prove well, Danny well, Morong. There, there's there's some there's some workshop. Yeah, we're gonna have to do here. this. Yeah, no, this is hundred percent working. Well, speaking of money, uh, you know what? Yesterday we talked about the worst people in sports. Yeah, yeah. And we had uh, John J. Fisher's name, the, the the owner of the Oakland Athletics, name pop up. And there's another owner Jeez. in this group that we have criticized long and hard. And you know what? Maybe he's doing the right thing. We'll get to that more coming up on Danny Dusty today, the fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, The Fan.
here on Wrestling Wednesday, we gotta let we gotta let these all marinate. Jake the Snake. God, this one just screams any like montage scene from a movie from 1983 to 1987. Yeah, there's a fight scene coming. A hundred percent. There's a fight scene coming, and it's Jake the Snake. Mm-hmm. God, that snake gives me the heebie-jeebies. Are you still. anti-snake? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very. Get legs. <laughs> yeah. How do they move? <laughs> I mean, that sounds like pretty that, simple. That sounds like a full-on Rodney Dangerfield thing. They don't even have any legs. What's going on? <laughs> they, I tell you. they don't. <laughs> they don't. They're creepy. All right. And they're just bleh. they're scaly and. Gross. I was going to say something about a snake and ownership and all Poisonous. those kind of things, but I'm actually gonna, I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, we have lambasted ownership mm-hmm. that has taken uh, wildly incredible players across all of sports. Mm. Artie Moreno and mm-hmm. Anaheim with the Angels. Mm. Uh, basically everything that the Cincinnati Reds have done for the last twenty years. John J. Fisher since 1999 with the Fisher family with the Oakland A's, uh, the Bidwells in the NFL. The list is long and not illustrious. Mm-hmm. One of those owners, uh, or family ownerships, I should say, uh, is the Angelos family in yeah. Baltimore, who have been gifted one of the best players in baseball through the draft in Sherwood local legend, Adley Rutschman, and yeah. has helped spur that organization into the upper echelon of, of Major League Baseball, along with another young sensation in Gunnar Henderson. Well, and, and then Jackson Holiday too, yes. that they just drafted. just drafted. They are loaded with talent. And those three guys are like where they're kind of hanging their future on. Mm-hmm. They're loaded with talent across the board, yes. though. Through the entire pipeline. It is. The, the Baltimore Orioles are going to be really damn good. And... When you build a team and you take the shortcut through hell and you say, we're going to go and just suck for a few years, Mm -hmm. but we're going to build through the draft and we're going to bolster our farm system and we're going to sell off a lot of the pieces to get pieces in return that are going to pay off in four or five years. There comes a time where... If you develop that talent and you start winning, you're gonna have to pay that talent. And you and then you gotta cash in to really win, which is what your cheating Astros have done. Well, that's what that was their whole plan. And they have actually hired out of the front off of Houston to go and, and build this. Yes. But you have to be willing as an owner to win and you have to save up that money and start hoarding that money. I don't know what the Angelos family's been doing with the money that the Baltimore Orioles have been getting from Major League Baseball, but they have not been saving it because we just absolutely crushed them this past season when they their ownership and John Angelos said, hey, well, if we're going to pay all these guys, it's going to have to come from somewhere, so concession prices and ticket prices are going to have to go up, which is absolute BS in the highest regard. It's, no, you're the billionaires. You spend the money. This is where it comes from. If you you. don't have the money, do right by the fans and get rid of the damn team. And Bullying worked. Every single team that ponies up the money when they go down this route, they win. Well, not only that, they end up sick. They not only win not on the field, but off the field. There's never been a a team, even though the Dodgers didn't win a title this year, they still made hundreds of millions of dollars, even though they had the biggest payroll in the sport by 
absolute in, leaps and bounds yeah. among everyone else. I mean, they may be different because they're the Dodgers but, in L.A. You but know, when but, you're at the top and you spend the money, yep, you will recoup it. But you it, have, it, it is a direct correlation and has been. And the fact that they have pretended and they have tried to sell that that isn't the case yeah. is one of the biggest farces in sports. That is... You have to win before you raise those prices yes. because if you have a winner, people are going to be willing to, to pay the price. You can't; they're not going to pay the prices first. Preemptively, and then say, hey, we promise we're going to win, yeah. and then all of a sudden in July they're like, ah, we're going to sell everything off because that's what happens, and that's that's what the A's have done for twenty years. And so, the Angelos family is selling. In gosh, we feel so bad for them. They've been bullied into selling the team because they weren't going to commit to spending money on that roster, but mm-hmm. I applaud them for having the foresight of just going, all right, fine. We'll cash out now then. They bought the team for $172 million. They're selling it for $1.725 billion. Otherwise known as a 1,000% increase. They're making, yeah, over a billion and a half. And they're doing it in 30 years. There's no investment on this planet outside of this industry that will recruit, that will get you that kind of investment. Now, None. they are selling to a group uh, led by... The, it's Carlisle Group, so David Rubenstein, and it, they're 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 going about it the right way because one way to win over the fan base is to go ahead and bring in some of the people that that have been great toward the franchise. Cal Ripken Jr. is going to be part of this ownership mm-hmm. group, right? And now, will he have any say? Oh no, probably not. But you're already getting in the good graces of of the fan base by bringing in Cal Ripken Jr. and just saying, hey, he's a part of it. He's part of this show. I love it for the fans of the Baltimore Orioles. I love it even more for Adley Rutschman. That is a guy that has done everything right throughout his career, and he is a damn star in the league. And he's going to be a guy that is going to be loyal to Baltimore just by who he is and who his family is. Now he's got an ownership group that is going to, who's going to be just as loyal as he is. And it's this is not like. Um... Though they have a little bit money, a little bit more money than the Angelos family, this is a group that has over three hundred billion dollars worth of assets. I would say that that's a lot of money. They have an operating income in the like forties of yep. billions of dollars. So this is like when when you want to you know have that measuring contest, they stand up on the table and they stand apart. Yeah, and for the people of Baltimore, it's even better because. Prior to all of this, they renegotiated a long-term lease. They got 15-year lease at Canbin Yards again. There's like no fear that they would up and move the team. But anytime you get new ownership, that is that is a concern. That's always a worry. Right? It's always lorded over the top of them, and you're. But they going, don't have that. They don't have that. I don't know. I absolutely love that this happened, and I hope this puts the screws to John J. Fisher in the ace. Even though. I have no faith that that's going to happen because Major League Baseball should look around and see if this is what, as, a, as a success and be like, yeah, this we need more of this and less of the Fishers of the world. What they did at that Vegas unveiling and hype, I don't know, I don't the press conference or whatever. Did you hear the mayor of of Las Vegas? Mm-mm. I think it was the mayor. Um, she was like, she's like, give it up for John J. Fisher and the ownership group of the A's. And not a single person clapped. It got it got so awkward to the point where she's like, "Are you guys alive back there? <laughs> Is this thing on?" That's what we're working yeah. with. Like, please clap. Yeah, the, the Fishers brought the A's to Vegas, and people are still like, Mm-mm. 
Nope. We don't want you here either. Not we don't like you. your kind here. Not you, John J. Fisher. So, yeah. Hopefully, Major League Baseball gets smart about this. Yeah. Because I would imagine that this sale was also probably encouraged by Major League Baseball because, again, you want your broke boy owners gone. You do. You want the obscene money. Yeah. Because that's where this is headed. And if you've got somebody who's not willing to, to you know, not even willing, but able to ante up at the table, like you can't even afford the the small blind? Yeah. Like you got to go. And at the, like, the way that they're going to do it is just by gouging the fans. And Major League Baseball doesn't mind that. We know that. Yeah, we've we've seen that before. But the flip side of this is you look down in Atlanta and what they have turned around and done. It's awesome. And on not only, you think about that. In Atlanta, it's not just in Major League Baseball. It's also the NFL. Yeah. Both ownership groups on both sides and with the Braves and the Falcons have both done the right thing. Yeah. As yeah. far as it pertains to the fan and the fan experience. And this from Mariners fan says, I'm just so jealous as a Mariner fan. Stanton is a cheap and terrible owner. Why can't we have an ownership group that includes a junior and just wants to win? Yep. Yeah, uh, or not tell you we want to do everything to win and then a year later. Sell off everyone? Yeah. Say, oh, no, not now. Maybe next year. Yeesh. Well, speaking of Seattle, Seattle has made their move, and they have their man going forward. They have hired their head coach to carry them on into the next era after Pete Carroll. What does the hire of Mike McDonald mean for the Seattle Seahawks? We'll get to that more here in hour number three. Danny and Dusty, Tenny the Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 